A couple of things just before we jump into the Word. Uh, Family camp, if if ever there was a year when you might consider yourself to be on the fence of whether or not you're going to be going to family camp, tip to the side of of going. Um, We're definitely, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody, we're below our usual quota and trying to negotiate with the camp on, you know, what what we're going to... what we're going to do there in terms of meeting the meeting the numbers and if also in addition to that maybe you're not able to go but you'd like to give uh, we're just trying to kick the the numbers up and and all that stuff and that would be really helpful not only that i personally i can't imagine not going to camp i for my first camp i was about that big so family camp i was born in june and camps in august so yeah, when was I ever that big? Okay, maybe that big. <laughs> also, uh, we've we've asked everyone to to really pray and just uh, receive a, a commissioning from the Lord about uh, home groups coming up, whatever they're going to be called, or life groups. And uh, so we'd like you to really consider, ask the Lord, Lord, are you calling me to do that? Here at North Shore, we want to see people released into their giftings. And part of that is the responsibility and leadership. And, you know, some people have uh, certain gifts, other people don't. And that's great. But in this area, we want to see those gifts released. These are team ta- uh, team taught. Uh, these are team-led uh, groups and of all different kinds of configurations. We purposely have said there is no box to this. So um, whatever you've thought about home groups in the past and life groups, whatever... Let God be the one to create something new. And uh, so if that is the case and you sense the Lord saying that to you, even though you may not want to or whatever, uh, come and talk to one of the elders and let us know that you're planning on that. We've got a meeting planned for August 11th, Monday, August 11th, right before family camp there. And we'd like to meet with all of those potential group leaders. Alrighty. righty. Uh, let's see. Rod, where you, Rod was, um, Rod this last week was just getting ready to head out of town and uh, injured his leg and ended up in the ER, some internal bleeding, different things. He's doing better. We want to pray for him, like some people to gather on him. Uh, Larry, you got that, you had surgery here, didn't you? And uh, we want to pray for you. Don't pray, don't put lay hands on his hurt arm. Put him on the other side, but a couple of you would gather around him and just lay hands on him. Anybody else? you just saying, man, I would love, I need a touch from the Lord and healing, whatever we want to, we want to pray for you as well. Jesus, thanks so much for that. Uh, as we were singing, we've, we've got hope because of you and we know our bodies will probably eventually heal, but we'd love to see you touch them way before that. So strengthen these different areas that have been injured or have our doctors have sought to put back together again just to increase the uh, healing um, speed and uh, just the capacity to heal all the blood vessels and blood cells and everything working together in alignment with your will. We bless them. We release, release your healing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, everybody else, lay hands on your eyes. 
Careful. Some of you need to be really careful with that. Don't injure yourself. But these are just going to represent our spiritual eyes now that the church is gathering right here. The church is going to go out these doors. Lord, that we would have eyes to see. Lay your hands on your ears. We would have ears to hear the needs that are around us in our job place, wherever we are, the grocery store, that we would see needs, hear needs, and meet needs. That you would meet those needs through us. That we would step out in faith and say, hey, you know what? Jesus heals people. And I've seen Him do it, and He wants to heal you. May I pray for you? That we would go, there would be a, a coming together of disciple and apostle in the sense of the one who is learning and watching you of what you have done. And then we go and we're sent to go and do the same thing. Amen. Woo, that's good stuff, isn't it? Okay. So, last week, Jesus has been calling His guys into a deeper level. A greater level of ownership, of, of following Him. He calls Him into what? Starts with a P. It was what? He's not just interested in people just kind of hearing about this, but He wants to partner with us. He's interested in a partnership that we would take ownership. Uh, we want that for our kids, don't we? It's like, if you, son, if you would just, Dylan, if you would just take ownership for the garbage... Okay, right? If you would just take ownership for that, then I don't always have to remind you because later on throughout the Gospels, you know, Jesus is going to get kind of frustrated. I mean, he's the son of God, but he's going to get frustrated with his boys because they're not getting it. He's like, how long have I been with you guys? Your eyes are still not open. Your ear, now, we're not going to jump on their case because we we're going to live with them forever, Right? So we know we're in the exact same boat, but these are such great examples. Thank you, God, for giving, putting their lives on display for us uh, and using them in that way. So he just, he's been teaching them, teaching them. He's saying, hey, watch me, guys. I got, you know, and then he's about ready to just go boom and push them out into the deep end and see if they can swim. And of course, they come back and they're like, look what we've done because stuff, you know, stuff's working for them. He's going, you guys, it's me. You've got to realize it's me. I'm the one who's doing it through you. So this is, uh, this is pretty fun to watch these guys go. But here we are in chapter 9, and we've been going through here the first 17 verses. We're going to hit 18 here and go through about uh, 43. No small task. But where's chapter 9? Everybody doesn't know we're in the Gospel of Luke. That's a great point. We are in the Gospel of Luke. If you're just tuning in with us here today or by satellite. We started off with this question, who do you say that I am? Probably the most important question that Jesus is asking of people. There's a lot behind this. This is one of those, you know, is, was that a loaded question, Jesus, or were you really just asking that? Let's take a look. One day as Jesus was alone, verse 18, praying, he came over to his disciples and asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of those one of those other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Peter replied, You 
are the Messiah sent from God. Think about what Peter is... I mean, he is laying it all on the line right now. So everything that has been prophesied for a couple thousand years here, Peter is banking on this man standing in front of him. Up to this point, what has Jesus done? Healed some people, cast out some demons, different things like that. But there are bigger and greater things to come. So we have these two key questions we start off with. One question in particular, as we said, we've been asking from the beginning of this series. So the first question is what? Who do, who do people say that I am? At your work, wherever you hang out, people are talking about whatever. The ultimate questions, what happens after this life and, and all the rest. They're wondering, when they're alone, when nobody else is around, they're wondering those questions. Those are the questions that haunt people. What if there's something else? What if there's someone else? What if I get it wrong? If we don't have that understanding, which I think all of us do, just reiterating it again, but if we don't have that understanding, we're not going to be willing to ask that question. Because Jesus knows they're asking that. And that's why he's putting it to him. And then the question that hits home, because everybody else can think whatever they're going to they're going to think. But he asks, "Who do you say? Who do you say that I am?" Did Jesus know what people were were thinking about him? Yeah, I mean, he reads people's thoughts before they even know what they're about to think or say. So yeah, Jesus is asking a rhetorical question. He knows. So. Who do people say Jesus is today? You hear them talking. Who is Jesus? Talk to me. Who do people say that Jesus is? He's a what? He's a good teacher. Prophet? Good ideal? Like every other God? A lunatic. He's a hoax. He's a joke. I went on Jesus Is, and you got all the answers. Anybody ever gone on that website before? Yeah. Everybody's got their answers about, you know, you've seen the bumper stickers. Jesus Is, and then Lion City Church did a whole series on that. Trying to get people to ask that question. Just like the disciples needed to know, we must know. And this answer, the question is answered first with a confession, but secondly, it's validated by our action. In other words, I can say Jesus, I can respond just like Peter. I can, I can read what Peter said and I can say, yep, I believe that. And then we go look at our lives. We look at, we analyze someone's life and realize, you know what? They really actually don't believe that. They say that, but they don't actually believe it because their life doesn't line up with that. Our life, how we live is actually the answer to that question. He's going to mess with them a little bit. 
that that declaration of what Peter said is going to be tested because, of course, we know the, the rest of the story. Luke describes Jesus as the Son of Man. Throughout here, he's going to be talking about Jesus that way. He describes our Lord as someone who interacted with people. He shared their burdens. He healed people's pain. Jesus was a demonstration for us that compassion is God's love in action. Compassion is God's love in action. It's not just, hey, I love you. Love you, man. Hope you're doing good. It's, it's action. James picked that up in chapter 2 of his letter. He said, listen, if you guys, you have these convictions. You, you say these certain things, but then people are going, you know, in, totally in need all around you. You're not even helping them. Somebody's cold and you're like, hey, be warm. So we validate our words by our actions. This is a tough place to live, planet Earth. There's a lot of messed up people. Um, there was a, I think it was an Irish playwright, uh, George Bernard Shaw. He has credit with saying, if other planets are inhabited, they must be using the Earth as their insane asylum. We need help. We need help. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to heal a very broken, very broken world. What would we do without Jesus? How many of you remember life before Jesus? Some of you have a very clear and vivid pre and post Jesus in your life. And you remember those things. We need Jesus, His help. Let's go on here, verse 21. So after this declaration, Peter, of course, gets it right, but his life is going to be tested by that declaration. So Jesus picks it up a little bit here. Jesus warned them, verse 21, not to tell anyone about this. For I, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things, He said. I will be rejected by the leaders the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. Can you believe that? That must have been quite a shock. Can you imagine Jesus coming today and saying, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by the pastors, the elders, and all the religious leaders of today. Christian universities, Christianity Today, whoever it is, publishing that would rattle your cage just a little bit. They're like, well, could you back up to that point and just hit play again? I will then be killed, but three days later, I will be raised from the dead. You guys familiar with the phrase dead man walking? Dead man walking. What is that phrase? Where does that originate from? Prison. Okay, so somebody's about to be executed. They bring him out of his cell. He's doing his last walk. Sometimes they call it the Green Mile. And they, they give a shout out. Dead man walking! And everybody, you know, says a prayer for the guy or whatever. I don't know. 
dead man walking, that man making that last walk, hopefully, I think there's a, there's a focus that comes when we face the things that we face in life, one of them being death. There's something about death that puts life in perspective. We've been talking about that. I've been sharing with that. We've been experiencing that. In terms of some of our loved ones and Don Walker and different ones. Cunningham's, you know, hitting this. We were having a conversation the other night and and uh, we, you know, with, with Natasha's dad and the fight with cancer and, you know, I was just sharing out of my own experience with my dad and I just said, you know, if, when, when we were in that with my dad, it was like, The things that you maybe normally, like husband and wife, would fight and argue about, it's like all of a sudden those things are no longer important. The stuff that is distracting to you, all of a sudden you, you have this tunnel vision, you hone in on, what, on the things that are actually really important. Rather than, you know, you know, they're in a place right now where they're, you know, they don't know how much time they have left. And... Uh, they're they're prioritizing. Okay, w- what do we want to do? How do we want to spend our time? And you really are very careful about how you spend your time. Now, if you look at Skylar, Skylar's a young, healthy-looking guy. And if if he's like me, he thinks he's got a long time to live. Neil has a diagnosis. But the reality is we all have a diagnosis. We're all going to die. We don't know when and it could be today. Some of the two of the healthiest guys I know now are gone in the last 2 years. Why? I don't know. I've realized that's the wrong starting point. Trying to ask why and figure that out and and all that. It's just God, you've got a purpose. And I I'm working to get on board with that. But we all think we've got this tons of time out there. And we're living like we've got, you know, 40, 50 years when we may only have a few days. Jesus had what? Basically, I know he was around for 33 years, but he got really focused in those, not that he wasn't before, but he got really focused with these guys. They're thinking, oh man, this thing's going on and they don't understand what Jesus is about to do and He's going to talk about that here. He says, I'll be killed, but three days later I'll be raised from the dead. They're going, okay, if that's going to happen, we've at least got, you know, 50, 60 years. I mean, I don't know how long people lived back then. But you see the difference in Jesus' perspective and the difference in their perspective. Somebody who has allowed death to give life its perspective and somebody who has not. If this present life is all-consuming and important to us, then we're going to do everything we can to protect it. It's called self-preservation. We're going to do everything that we can to avoid pain. We're going to do everything that we can to avoid hurt, discomfort, anything like that. But we're claiming to follow the one who's calling us to imitate him. He says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. 
I'm going to be killed, but unlike every other man, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, they had no idea what he was talking about at this time. And again, we don't throw rocks at them. We don't blame them. We wouldn't have either. But we do know the power of Christ and we do know the end of the story. Praise God. For Jesus, death to self was a lifestyle. This isn't about, you know, material possessions are bad, they're evil or anything like that. The physical body is somewhat evil. No, Jesus didn't do any of those things. Different religions, they, you know, they, they say, oh, the, the, the body, the physical realm is, is all wrong. It's not. Jesus created us and He loves us. But Jesus' focus in His perspective on life and death allowed Him to, as the Bible says, set His face like a flint. That means like steel, resolute, undaunted. I can't tell you how close heaven has gotten through all of this process. As heaven comes into view, life comes into perspective. That's just the reality of the way things work. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition. Shoulder your cross daily and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose or forfeit your own soul in the process? Jesus, give us understanding of your words. May these things go deep, deep in our hearts come alive in our spirit. If a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God. Eight days later, that's going to happen and we'll read about that next. So Jesus tells them what's going to happen. Suffering, rejection, killed, and raised from the dead. Three of these are true of every person. One is unique to Jesus. Which one's unique to Jesus? Yeah, he's going to raise from the dead. This, the historical truth of Christ's resurrection is what every single apostle was willing to be martyred for. They did not go to their deaths as martyrs for the sake of the truth that Jesus died. Every single one of them, of course, one of them didn't die. He, He lived on in exile, John. But those, all of those apostles, they died as martyrs for the truth of Jesus' historical resurrection. That's the name of the game right there. That's what separates the men from the boys. Okay, so who can rise from the dead? What is a disciple? What's a follower? 
What's a disciple? What's a follower? What do they do? Not a trick question. Sorry? They emulate? What was that? They copy? Absolutely. They're copycats. They're imitators. So again, we're looking at what did Jesus do to find out what has He called us to do. Someone who seeks to become just like the one they follow in thought and in action. Wow. Death to self is the pathway to true life. That's what Jesus is promoting. This is this philosophy that He's bringing to them. I want to... Something I came across, Warren Wiersbe, who's a... uh, Bible scholar, pastor, and, and uh, this was really good, what he said in this distinction. And this goes back to the scripture verse that we read today about grace and not performing for God, trying to earn something from Him. But he says that Jesus is not talking about... Dis- Jesus is talking about discipleship, not sonship. We are not saved from our sins because we take up a cross and follow Jesus. That's really important that we get that right there. I hope you caught that. We are not saved. When Jesus says, come and follow me, if that were true and, that was, and we have a mindset that that's how we're going to earn salvation from Him, that's not the issue. So we're going to follow Him from something, not try and follow Him to gain something. We're not saved from our sins because we take up a cross and follow Jesus, but because we trust the Savior who died on the cross for our sins. After we become children of God, then we become disciples. Grace, 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 grace is the foundation. It's learning to say no to self. It's putting God and others first. Think about what he's calling them to do. So in this time, the Romans have been executing people on a mass scale on crosses all around. Now, we have this kind of really nice view of the cross. We wear them as jewelry and they're just they're refined and everything. Can you imagine in modern day, if Jesus had come today, somebody wearing an electric chair around their neck as jewelry? Hey, check out this cool electric chair. It's like, what are you wearing that? We'd be going like, you're sick. This was the most demeaning, disgusting way to to kill someone. And Jesus is calling them for every single disciple, every single follower to take up a cross and follow him. To deny themselves, to deny the things that they want and to live for someone beyond themselves, which is God himself and, and for others, putting them first. This is so countercultural to what we see in our culture today. Self-help, self-actualization, and Jesus is telling us to take all of these things, self-esteem, trust, just listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. What's your heart telling you? You ever said that to somebody? Dude, just listen to your heart, bro. completely counter philosophy. Jesus declares that I'm the only one you need to love. 
Nowhere in Scripture will you find love yourself. He acknowledges that we do love ourselves, so we're supposed to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves, but there's no place where it says, we've got that one covered, believe me. And he knows that. But we're to love God, and we're to love others. He's the only one who can help. He's the only one. He's the only one we need to listen to, and he's the only one we need to trust. Praise God. Warren Wiersbe, he says this as well. This is super cool. We cannot crucify ourselves. We only yield our soul and our body and let God do the rest. We're not masochists. We're not anything like that. Don't think that you can put yourself on the cross and crucify yourself. Romans 12 says what? Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to Him. We see a number of other religions doing that all over the world. They're sacrificing their bodies for their God. We present ourselves to the Lord, and He does the rest. So why do we get it? We've got to be careful. Sometimes we're working on things in our life that God's actually not working on. He's like, I'm, I'm not actually there right now. So did Jesus lead you into that transformation that you're in, or are you in just a self-help program? Thinking that God was leading you into it. Oh, I need to work on my weight. No, maybe Jesus isn't. Maybe He's not there. He's, he's working on something else. We'll try and pile up all these things of, man, I got to, you know, it's this whole fix yourself mentality. Let Jesus lead you into it. We talked last week. Are we in Holy Spirit led rest? Or are we just entertaining ourselves? We're tired, we come home, we turn on the tube, and, and we just veg out. And it just sucks everything out of us, and we wonder why we're just exhausted. Our soul doesn't have an opportunity to rest. So, Holy Spirit, Jesus-led recreation, and also the transformation that He's working on in us. Let's go on. So, who do you say that I am? Jesus is calling us to take up our cross and follow Him, deny ourselves. And then here in verse 28, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a mountain to pray. So where are they going? They're going up on the mountain. They're going up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. This word changed is metamorphosis. We'll get back to that. The appearance of his face changed and his clothing became dazzling white. Then two men, Moses and Elijah. How they knew this, I don't know. They have name tags or... I don't think there were probably paintings of them. But evidently they found out later, okay? So this is in hindsight. Then two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. Yeah, I'll say. And they were speaking of how he was about to fulfill God's plan by dying in Jerusalem. Crazy. This word dying or or death in another translation is the Greek word where we get exodus. 
Who better to talk about an exodus from this life than Moses? That's called counseling right there. Wow. I think that's super cool. What a conversation. Sometimes I like to stop and just pause for a moment because these things just kind of blow by us. They're up on this mountain. Jesus is having a conversation with the one who represents the law and the other one who represents the prophets. You got the law and the prophets and then you have the very fulfillment of the law and the prophets as he says in Matthew 5. This is a big time gathering. Peter and the others were very drowsy and had fallen asleep. Yep, we know this is going to happen again, don't we? But we're not throwing rocks at them because we're going to live with them, right? All right, they're tired, they're worn out. Jesus is on the mission. Now, they woke up. Yep, I think so. Laser light show going on. Pink Floyd playing. I don't know what's going on, but the, this is... Uh, so now they woke up and saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Hey, Master, this is awesome. We'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came over them and terror gripped them as, as it covered them. Yeah, so now you got this fog machine. I mean, they're just like, what the heck is going on here? And then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son. So you got Moses. What led the children of Israel in the desert? Cloud by day, fire by night. You got this cloud that comes in the presence of God. I think Jesus, Holy Spirit's connecting the dots for these guys. They're like, whoa. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. So as if it weren't enough for Moses, Elijah, Jesus himself, Peter's now declaring, and what is God, Father God, going to do? He's going to validate Peter's confession. And he's going to say, that's right, you got it. This is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to be just like him. You guys get to be part of the family. And this is what he was saying would happen in a few days. Now, Jesus had just asked him who they thought he was. Now he's showing them. This word metamorphosis, where this appearance of his face had changed. This is a change in appearance that comes from within, from the inside. Anybody had a powerful encounter with God before? Worship experience. Laura Stacy, you know, she, she, uh, we finished there, you know, as we're we're playing, and and she's like, wow, that was just powerful. That was such a great time of worship together. You know, where you just have those experiences and you have those things, you know, to get together here and we, we experience those things um, alone as well. And, you know, people have built entire conferences around hopping from one experience to another. So they're really vertically focused. 
but they're not a whole lot of good to the rest of the earth population. And so in this situation, we, we see that, you know, though these guys have this amazing experience, I mean, Peter's ready to set up these booths and start charging admission, you know, and set up these shrines. And he's like, this is an awesome thing. Let's just park it right here. But you're going to see here that Jesus is going to call them to come down off the mountain. They went up on the mountain. They have this amazing God experience. And then he calls them to go down. And the next day, after they had come down the mountain, a huge crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, look at my boy, who is my only son. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions. He foams at the mouth. He's hitting and injuring him himself or him it hardly ever leaves him alone i begged your disciples to cast the spirit out but he couldn't do it they couldn't do it jesus is going to get a little fired up here he's like you stubborn faithless people talking to his boys how long must i be with you and put up with you bring him here as the boy came forward the demon knocked him to the ground threw him into violent convulsion jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this display of God's power. Now, I often look and think about the things that we do and how we do things, trying to imitate Jesus. And they were doing it. They were trying to imitate Jesus. But something was lacking their their faith or or whatever it was. But you know what? I, I see simple things like this. Jesus, it just says he rebuked the spirit and he healed him. He's like, get out of him. You know, he wasn't like, oh, in, in my name, in my name I'm praying to myself. Okay, in my name I, and Lord, we just, you know, it, it's just like, be healed in the name of Jesus. You know how the, because the apostles, they listened to what Jesus, they watched what Jesus did, they listened to what he said, and then they did it. You remember in Acts, first part in Acts, what does he say to him? Stand up and walk. He doesn't even say in Jesus' name. Well, actually he does, doesn't he? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. That's right. We get really complicated, don't we? Really complex, really sophisticated, thinking that, like in Matthew 6, that more words is going to make us sound really, really cool. I'm about simplification, right, Bob? Let's just simplify. There you go, Bruce. I'm on it. How about we simplify and bring this thing to a close? Here we go. Amazing. These guys didn't want to leave. They have this amazing experience. They want to stay on the mountain away from, probably away from a lot of the reality and the problems that we face down in the valley. Immediately when they come down off the mountain, comes down off the stage, if you will. And it's back to engaging people, reaching people, touching people, healing people, loving people. It's impossible to be wrong about Jesus and right with God. I want to call us to something here as we close because I know as I look around here there's 
there, most of you guys have been walking with God for a long, long time. Some of you, not so long. Some of you may be in that position where you're asking that question, who is Jesus? Because I've been hearing who people say He is, but the important thing is that I really know who Jesus is. And again, we can't be wrong about Jesus and, and right with God. The crowd can have their opinion, but like the disciples, we've got to have our convictions. Luke describes Jesus going through a metamorphosis. This is a change that comes from within. You guys can, can stand with me. I've been sitting a while. Some of you have seen this before, but you know, oftentimes when someone is changed from within, then their outward changes. Their countenance changes. There's a, there's a light. Why? Because they were once in the kingdom of darkness and now they've been transferred over into the kingdom of light. And this is a light that shines from the inside. You see this on American Idol, different things, you know, where they just say, man, there's something about you, your vibe, man. It's just like, whoa, I don't know what it is, but you're different. Yeah, that would be the light of Jesus. question is, do we have that light and do we let it shine? Or as we've been talking about, he, he, he challenges them, are we putting that under a bucket? Are we, we keeping that light hidden? Jesus says, reach. Be that light. Let me light it up through you. No one in this room who knows Jesus is perfect. But if you know Jesus, you're changed. You're changed. That's the difference. Far from perfect, we all know that. Sometimes people come in the room of a church and, and they're just like, you know what, I don't fit in here. People are too perfect here. People are too all put together. And we know that isn't true. But we kind of like to put, put, you know, shine people on a little bit. We like to talk like we live on the mountain all the time rather than down with the earth people. Jesus wants to change that. He was so good at relating to people. He was so real with people, so connectable. Jesus, you've come and you've changed everything. A lot having to do with our confession, but may our life line up with the confession of answering, who do you say that I am? Those who may have known you and known about you for, for many years, Jesus, for, for, for us to change, you've got to let that hit home. And I can't do that. I can't facilitate that. I'm just here trying to, to relay your message. 
But God, I'm standing in that place together with everyone here, and we're just saying, Lord, open up our eyes, open up our ears, so that that becomes personal. Let that hit home. Don't let us fool ourselves. Because there's a lot on the line. Lives are at stake. We want to be used by you. Again, from a place of grace, not towards something. Lord, we want to answer that question. We want to follow you where you go. We want to be transformed and changed from the inside so that we can be a light coming down off that mountain and reaching people that you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, amen. Love you all. Have an amazing day, afternoon, and we'll see you when we see you. I want to let you know, uh, next week, Don Walker is going to be preaching. Uh, then the week after that, August 3rd, Master's Commission, Master's Commission from Kirkland is going to be here. They're going to be doing their full presentation and everything, so that's great. Great opportunity to in, invite people um, that you may know who might appreciate that. And I really don't actually know what it, any of it's about, but uh, it's going to be great to have them with us. Update on Lisa and the family. Um, we're just continuing to, uh, down in, in California there in Santa Rosa, uh, just supporting Lisa's mom, helping her the transition uh, because of her health issues. It's just, you know, a lot more challenging to be able to uh, get things in order. So doing that and, yeah, so con- your continued prayers. You guys, we have loved the communication. Don't feel like you're... Uh, intruding or anything like that. We love it. We feel the encouragement even if we don't necessarily respond right away to, to different uh, communication along the way. Uh, I know Cunningham's right in the middle of, of uh, moving. You guys need any help with boxes and stuff? Okay. Yeah. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I want to I call the community just to open up just aware of some needs right here because they're moving. Uh, Andrew and Kim are getting ready to move. John and Melissa are hopefully going to get ready to move here in just a little bit. And uh, so if you want to reach out to those guys and say, hey, I'll come over and stack boxes or fill stuff or move things and uh, just consider myself your slave for the afternoon, that would be huge for them. So if you'd reach out to them, let them know what your availability might be. We all know on the receiving end of that, that is a big, big deal. Okay.